0: it's really a huge honor for me to be here so Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 everybody ready still have your seat belts on Ephesians 2 and 10 says we for we are God's masterpiece everybody say masterpiece you know what a masterpiece is right like think of some cool painting like amazing like Leonardo DiCaprio uh, just kidding he's not a painter Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> you guys are slow man you know, the Sistine Chapel, some people say the 16th Chapel, Um, those are masterpieces. And and this, this is saying that we're God's masterpiece. Like we are, we are that like when God, when God created you, when God, when God created you, like he stepped back and he was like, wow, wow. Now the world wants you to think different, right? The world wants you to think that you're flawed and messed up and jacked up and you're broken and you're all this, but the Bible says that you're God's masterpiece. Like like you're, a, you're like, you're like a wow to God. And that's what it's saying. You're God's masterpiece. For he created us anew in Christ Jesus. And he created us for a purpose. And we see Paul is telling us that he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So what that means is that if we're God's masterpiece and we're created in Christ Jesus then there's a purpose to our life. There's something that we're supposed to do. There's a reason that we exist. Now, there are a couple of kinds of people that really annoy me. Anybody get annoyed by people sometimes? Like, do you get people fatigue, right? You know what that is? Like, you you know, you're just like, okay, I've had it. I am all peopled out. It's like people, right? Yeah, some of you are like, right now, right now I'm Uh, peopled out. I get annoyed by a couple of kinds of people. Um, If I had to pick the most annoying type of person in the world to me personally, uh, it would have to be lazy people. Yeah, yeah. Like lazy people drive me absolutely crazy. You guys feeling encouraged yet? Lazy people just, man, it just drives me crazy. I'm talking about, you know, like when everybody else, it's like, I don't know if you guys do church work days, but we we do church work days back at, at home and everybody shows up and we get these task lists, you know trying to clean up and everybody's like working everybody's doing stuff and they're cleaning up and you look over and that one person is like like I'm about to am about to smack you in the face bro <laughs> like I'm sweating I am sweating I've I've got a broom and you are texting you're on your like it drives me crazy lazy people drive me crazy or you know you're cleaning you're cleaning your house, like, you're cleaning your house, it's, it's that time, mom and dad are like, it's time to clean the house, it's been six months since you've touched your room, I know some of you it's been longer, and it's clean the house time, and you're like working hard and you're cleaning, but your, your sibling is like, they're not doing anything, in my house it's, it's Novi, it's our, it's our daughter, our middle child, like, we clean the house, and we're like, alright everybody, you know, it's like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna clean the house, And Novi, like, you know, immediately, she's, like, having a heart attack. You know, she's like, I think I'm dying. I don't think I'm going to be able to clean today, Dad. You know, I'm losing 12 teeth at the same time. You know, she's she's lazy. My daughter, I love you, Novi, but you're lazy, and we got to work on it. I'm talking, like, it's annoying, right? Does anybody have a sibling that's lazy? Does anybody have a sibling in this room that's lazy? (laughs) Oh, Matthew, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you in trouble, buddy. But you just want to scream at them. You know, what you, want to, you know what I want to scream? Do you want to know what I want to scream at, at lazy people? When every, everybody's working brother the time, everybody's doing stuff, and everybody's pulling their weight, and that one person, I just want to look at them and say, will you just do something? Right? You ever, anybody feel that like deep in your bones? Like, Would you just do something? Over the last several decades, obesity has become a rising problem in our American culture. I didn't see that coming, did you? One of the leading causes of obesity is something called the lack of energy. Don't be looking around. Y'all stop looking around. <laughs> the lack of energy balance. One article that I read put it this way. It said, listen, a lack of energy balance most often causes overweight and obesity. Energy balance means that our energy in equals our energy out. Energy in is the amount of energy or calories you get from food and drinks, right? This makes sense. This, this makes sense. Energy out is the amount of energy that your body uses for things like breathing, digesting, being physically active, and to maintain, this article said, to maintain a healthy weight, your energy in and out, they don't have to balance exactly every day, but it's the balance over time that helps you maintain a healthy weight. So the same amount of energy in and the energy out over time equals your weight stays the same. Makes sense, right? Simple math. More energy in than energy out over time equals what? Weight, gain. So more energy out than energy in over time equals what? Weight, Well, lo- you guys are. good job class. Great job. A's for everybody. So overweight and obesity happens over time when you take in more calories. You didn't know you were coming to a dietitian class, did you? It happens when you take more calories in than you use or put out and when I read this it was like a mind blow. like you're like this is simple for me it was like Like it was mind explosion it was like real revelation it it was like you mean to tell me that if I eat a whole lot and I don't have any physical activity that I'm going to gain a lot of weight (laughs) that was mind-blowing to me like you're like yeah I was like wait a second this explains so much like, this makes so much sense to me. Like, this is... Wow. Thank you, person that wrote this article. Now I know what my problem has been all these years. I eat a lot and I don't exercise. <laughs> this, is, this is actually what hit me when I read this article. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, this could be a scenario of the church. If we're not careful, this could be the scenario... Of a youth group. This could be a picture of what the church looks like. We we can become such heavy consumers in. We can have so much consumption in of the things of God. That we end up getting fat and lazy. Why? Because there's so much coming in. And so little going out. We come in week after week. And we sit. And we eat. And we drink. And we get fat fat, and we eat, and we get fat, and we enjoy it. And in this church, I'm telling you, your pastor, he ain't serving little happy meals on Sunday. Like, I'm talking filet mignon. I'm talking, like, mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm talking stuff that, if you ain't careful, you're going to get fat fast, because he's bringing the meat, like Arby's. You know what I mean? Like, not like this. Like, this is like Chicken McNugget. I mean, he's bringing that wag, wagoo <laughs> the Wagyu. he That's what he's bringing. You ain't never, you look it up, Google it, and then go get a job. Google it and go get a job. <laughs> that's what your pastor's bringing. So in your church, when your church, if you just come in and you just, man, you just take it in and man, that was good church and slap high five and. Man, didn't God, whoo, didn't Pastor Levine preach a great message? Wow, wasn't that a great worship set? Man, that was powerful. Look at what all this happened. And we just, whoo, we take it all in, and then Monday rolls around, and we just kind of snuggle into that spiritual recliner. We just kind of settle into our spiritual recliner, and everything that, that was fed to us, everything that God gave us, we just soak it all in, and we get super comfortable and cozy with the idea of getting fed week after week. With the idea of coming into youth group on Wednesdays or Thursdays or whenever you do it, and Brother Ty and the youth team are feeding you and giving to you all of this good stuff, and it's just it's just in. It's just consume, it's just consumption all the time. And I can just see this picture of God in heaven looking down and saying, that's not how this is supposed to work. That's not what we're supposed to do. I I want you to be fed. Yes, I want you to be fed. I want you to eat good. I want you to get a good meal. But I don't don't want you just to get a good meal and then go on about your life. I feed you so that you can further the kingdom. And I can just see in my simple mind, I can just see God sometimes, like me looking at the dude in the corner with his phone while everybody's working. And I can see God just like, would y'all just do something? Would you just do something? So, what causes us to become that type of person that takes it all in and gives nothing out? What keeps us from having that healthy balance of energy, spiritually speaking? Everybody say the will of God. (laughs) Most Christians at some point have said this, and you probably have. I just want the will of God for my life. Like you probably prayed it, Lord, Lord, if there's anything you give out today, just let me know the will. Like, is he the will of God? Is, he, is she the will of God? Is that the will of God? We prayed, I want the will of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I'm just concerned that sometimes we make the will of God like this mystical thing, Brother Ty. Like, everybody say the will of God. Ooh. Everybody seen Lion King? It's like Mufasa. Everybody say the will of God. Ooh. Say it again. I want to help you because the will of God is not supposed to be complicated or confusing. The will of God for your life is not supposed to be complicated. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that God is not the author of confusion. If you're confused about what the will of God is for your life, whether you're 12 years old or 25 years old, if you're confused, that's on you. Because that's not God. God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't write confusion. He's the author of peace, the peace of mind, and there's peace in the will of God. So if you're, cons- if you're confused about it, that's, that's you. That's you needing to go on a discovery. That's you needing to do something about the will of God. So here we go. What's the will of God? Everybody say, what's the will of God? All right, we're going to go fast. Pencils poised, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, the will of God. You were planned for God's pleasure. You were planned for God's pleasure. This is the first purpose of your life. God created you for his pleasure. God wants you to know him and to love him. Everything else, everything else, everybody say everything else. Everything else is secondary to that. You got to know God and you got to love God. And there's a word that we use for experiencing this love of God and it's called worship. You want to write something down, write down the word worship in all caps. Worship. Worship is simply defined as expressing Your love to God. Worship is living a life that is pleasing to God. Let me show you, John 4 and 23. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And look at this. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. You want to know? You want to know what God is looking for? You want to know if God is on the prowl looking for something? You want to know what He's looking for? Worshippers, He's looking for people who will worship him, who will live their life as a lifestyle of worship unto God. That's what he desires. He desires to be worshiped. That's why he created you to be a worshiper. And in Christianity today, we've pinholed what this means. We've pinholed worship. We've kind of just labeled worship as this one thing, and it's all about music. We've labeled worship as worship music. In Christianity today, we just say it's that music is worship. And as soon as I said worship, as soon as I told you to write it down, some of you begin to think about your favorite worship song. Some of you begin to think about songs. But worship is so much more than just music. Worship is everything that you do that brings pleasure to God. Now don't get me wrong, and this is important for you to hear. Music is a part of worship. Music is powerful. Music is, is is an amazing tool. Music can do something that other things cannot do. It can bring you into the presence of God. And every one of you have experienced this. That's why we have times of worship where we sing songs that lift up God. That's why what you listen to matters. That's why what you put in your ears matters. That's why what what doctrines of this world that are being fed into your mind through music matters. Because music was created to be a worship unto God. It's not supposed to be anything else. It's supposed to be worship unto God. And so it matters what you listen to. But music is a part of worship. Music is an important part of worship. And let me just go ahead and say, if if you are seeking after the will of God, If you are praying for the will of God, but you come into church on Sundays and you cannot lift your hands and worship him, then you are not really looking for the will of God. If you come into church on Sunday and the worship team is singing praises unto a God who robed himself in flesh and came to this earth and died on a cross and you're sitting there on your hands and you can't open your mouth and you're asking for the will of God, something is off. Something is wrong. There should never be a scenario. Is this okay? I told you. Everybody's seatbelt still on? There should not be a scenario where Holy Ghost-filled apostolic young people walk into a church service and you cannot lift your hands to Jesus. There should not be a scenario where you walk into an apostolic service and you cannot open your mouth and praise God. I mean to tell you why I've been doing this a long time. I can tell you exactly why. You know the reason why? It's because what i preached the last two nights. Because there's some things in our life that has us bound. You know the first thing that's going to go in your life when sin enters? Worship. Authentic worship goes out the door. Yeah, you might come in and lift your hands. You may come in and do this. Authentic, true worship from the heart is something that's going to go. I believe that this youth group loves God. I believe that this youth group's heart is bent toward God. And I believe there's this time where you're going to walk in and it's not going to take a lot of pumping up. It's not going to take a worship leader begging you to come to the front. It's not going to take the worship team hitting your favorite song and you don't get your favorite song so you're not going to work. I believe there's a time when you're going to be so in love with Jesus Christ that you cannot wait to walk into the doors and you cannot wait until you can lift your hands in the presence of God. Worship is the will of God. So if you want to do something, if you want to know the will of God, let worship be a part of everything in your life. Every day when you get up, you ought to lift your hands and say, I love you, Jesus, and I commit my day, and I commit my life. Let every decision, let every thought, let everything that I do, let all of my behavior be glorifying unto you. Because you were created for his pleasure. Number two, you were formed for God's family. Everybody say family. Say what up fam? Look at somebody over there and say what's up fam? You want to know what you were This is this is You want to know what you were created for? I got to quit walking around cuz they're trying to record. I'll stay right here. Sorry, Sister Miranda. You were created. You were formed. You're a masterpiece. You were intentionally put together. You were knit together as the Bible says. You want to know why? For family. For family. Just as worship brings God pleasure because He wants us to love Him, fellowship with other believers brings God pleasure because we were formed for God's family. Check this out. Did you know that the words one another, everybody say one another. O-N-E, another. One another. Those words are used 58 times in the New Testament. Love one another. Pray for one another. The Bible says to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to greet one another, and on and on. 58 different times in the New Testament where one another is mentioned in the Bible. But sometimes we get it backwards. We talk about one another, we lie about one another, we walk into the grocery store and ignore one another, we stay away from one another. We don't like one another. Hear me tonight. This is, a real, this is a real challenge. There ought to be a unity in this youth group. There ought to be, this ought to be a family. So let me just get right where you're at. If you, are, if you are creating an atmosphere in this church or in this youth group that is not family friendly, then you need to go before God and ask for repentance. If you are doing things that is damaging or dinging the brand, if, if you're making decisions that make people feel like that they can't be a part of a family, that they can't trust the family, you really need to go before God because what you're doing is you are violating one of the purposes that we were created. This church should be a sanctuary. This, church should be a sa- this youth group should be a safe place. You guys have small groups, right? You should be able to come to small group and you should be able to open up and talk about real challenges in your life and not worry about somebody going and telling all your dirty little secrets to everybody. If you're gossiping, is this okay? If you're gossiping about people in your youth group, you are living in sin. If you are bad mouthing or tearing down somebody in this youth group, if you're spreading lies or even spreading truths about somebody in this youth group, you are living in sin. The Bible says that we should love one another, that we should build one another up. Amen? We're the family of God. And here's the thing. We're going to get to this in a second. But if we can't get it right, if we can't be a family, if we can't be united, do you think anybody in in their right mind out there is going to want to come in here? If we don't look like a unified body of Christ do you think anybody that you're witnessing to would want to come in here I know this is this is I, we ain't we ain't shouting thank you DJ <laughs> this is important this is important some of the biggest struggles that we have in youth ministry and churches is is we the devil don't even really have to do anything to hurt us we're hurting ourselves the devil don't have to shoot anybody we're shooting each other Friendly fire is one of the biggest causes of casualties in churches. We, we get so hung up on what they did or what they said, and then we tell them, and we tell them, and we tell them, and we try to destroy. And then, you know, if, if you're dating her and y'all are together, and then you break up, and then you got two posses, right? You know, like, uh, he's a pig. <laughs> and she's a sleazeball. I don't know. That's the first thing I thought of. And so now, you know, this is why, this is why I made a rule. I'm so I'm so off in the weeds right now, Brother Ty. This is why I made a rule in my youth group. And no, people didn't listen, but it was still it was my like this is what we're this is what we're doing, and I'm not gonna bless anything other than this. We don't date inside the youth group. What? Like, I thought we were supposed to date in the church. Well, first of all, you shouldn't even really be dating until you're ready for marriage anyway. Yeah. Whew, Jesus help be offense right now. The purpose of dating is for marriage. And if you're 12 years old, you ain't ready to be in marriage. And some of you are 22 years old, and you ain't ready to be in marriage. Some of you are 22, think you're ready to date, but you ain't held a job down in months. Some of you, uh, is this, I don't know, I'm leaving tomorrow, so I'm just leaving it all out right now. (laughs) This might be the last time y'all see me. <laughs> I, I watched 13-year-olds get in these serious relationships. This is nowhere in the notes. I'm just telling you, I'm just free-flowing. This is like freestyle. I had 13-year-olds get into relationships. I'm a, I, Pastor Billy, I'm going to marry them. They're, so, they're like godly and they love Jesus. And, and, and I, I always taught this. You grow together three ways. You want to write something down? put this on a different paper. This has nothing to do with tonight. You grow together three ways. In relationships, you grow together three ways. Ready? You want to know? Are you interested? Do you care? Three ways. In a relationship, you grow together three ways. God designed it this way. You grow together three ways. Number one, you grow together spiritually. You grow together spiritually. Number two, in relationships, the way God made it and designed it and intended it, you grow together emotionally, grow together emotionally. And then the third one, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, drum roll please, just kidding. The third way, thank you, that was a really great drum roll. The third way is you grow together physically. Physically. Don't get excited. (laughs) Because here's the thing, here's the thing. This is how God intended it. So you can't tell me at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old that you are going to be able to get into a serious relationship and somehow not grow together spiritually, rel- emotionally, and physically. It doesn't happen. You want to know why? Because you grow together those three ways by time spent together. So yeah, if you want to get a little, little girlfriend, you want to get a little boyfriend, and you don't ever talk to them, you don't ever hang out with them, you don't ever spend time with them, you cute, cute little church thing, you see each other in the hallway and like, hey boyfriend, that's fine. But if you're going to spend time, intentional time, and you're going to be diving into this, and and you're really going to make it a relationship, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, it's just a matter of time before you've grown together. You've grown together spiritually, you've grown together emotionally, and the the problem is, is you've grown together physically. And then we do that in the youth group, and then we think we're going to marry him, and then we give everything up to him, and then we break up. And now we've got our little friends over here that hate him because he's a pig, and then you got your little friends over here who hate her because, well, she's a sleazeball. <laughs> and somehow we think we're going to be unified. Somehow we think we're going to be a family. Somehow we think we're going to win our city, and they're going to come in here, and they're going to see, man, we're a team, and we're, we're all together. This is a united army. No, we gotta get, We got to get this right. we got to be the family of God. You weren't created to just float around by yourself. God expects us to show care for one another. And I need you, and you need me. You look across the aisle, you need her, and you need him. You need that guy, and you need that girl. We need each other. So let me encourage you. Get together. Go out to eat together. Have hangouts. Have parties where there's no crazy stuff happening. Hello? Have hangouts where you're doing... Have hangouts where you read the Bible. Have hangouts where you invite people from your school into this family. Don't gossip. Get along. Don't spread rumors. Encourage each other. Okay, that's the will of God. That's the will. i got to hurry. You were created to be like Christ, number three. You were created to be like Christ. You were planned for God's pleasure... That's called worship. You were formed for a family. That's called fellowship. And you were created to be like Christ. That's called discipleship. God created you to transform you to be like him. God is far more interested in who you are than he is in what you do. He's way more interested in your being than he is in your doing. Some people ask, what is God's will for my school, or what is God's will for my job, or what's the will of God for my career? I'm just going to tell you. I was at Vibrant Bank today. That's the will of God for me. I'm just going to tell you. Like, you want to know the will of God? Go get a job at Vibrant Bank. That's the most amazing place I've ever been. So we ask, what's the will of God? And, and that's fine. Ask for the will of God for your school and your job, and ask for the will of God for your career. This, you, you could you could, probably just to go, you could probably go to just about any school you wanted. You may never hear that. And if your pastor says different, he's right, I'm an idiot. You could probably take just about any job that you wanted as long as it's not selling drugs on the street. That's, don't take a job that's violating scripture. Okay, clear. And I think God would probably say, that's great. That's a good job. That's a, that's a good school. You can go to That's good. Because the truth is, is he's more interested in your character while you're at the school He's more interested in your character while you're at the job. You want to know why? Because you're not taking your school or your career to heaven with you. You're not taking that into eternity. You know what you are taking into eternity? Your character. You're taking your character in. So our character should reflect the character of God. We are the only Jesus that some people will see. So what are you showing them? So you want to do something? Dive into the word of God. Learn all the ways that you should be like Christ. That's the will of God. Number four, you were shaped for God's service. Everybody say service. Like I'm going to move fast. You met, You were made to serve God. The way we serve God is through something called ministry. Every one of you in this room, you're called to ministry. You're called to do something in the local church. You're called to do something in the kingdom of God. You were created For ministry. God saved you not just so you could occupy a pew on Sunday. He saved you for ministry. Every person in this room has incredible gifts and talents that were given to you from God. And God gave that to you to invest back into the kingdom of God. So you are made for God's service. So let me help you. You don't need a title. A lot of times we get caught up on specific ministry roles. You don't need a title. Here's some things you don't need a title to do. You don't need a title to pray. You don't need a title to disciple somebody. You don't need a title to inspire others in your youth group. You don't need a title to greet guests as they come into the church. You don't need a title to win souls. You don't need a title to work the altar. You don't need a title to find a role in the local church. Every time you do something in the local church, you're ministering, you're serving, you're doing what you were created to do. So, any ushers in the house? You're ministering through ushering. Anybody on the greeting team? My Lord, I love the greeting team. We have something called First Impressions ministry at our church, and I love it. I love seeing smiling. You know what? You know what people want to see when they walk onto your campus? Happy people. Happy people who want them there and expecting them to show up and who will greet them with love. They, they want to walk into a, a fun, friendly atmosphere. So greeters, that's ministry. That's not some meaningless role. That's ministry. Who's on the worship team? Who's really, who can actually sing though? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That's ministry. Who's in the production team? I know some of you. Who's on social media team or running the camera? This is ministry. Every person, every one of you, every one of you, should find something to do in the local church. You should find something for you to do. Last one. I want you to stand. Somebody can come play this piano. We're almost done. Number five, if you're writing it down, is you were made for a mission. Everybody say mission. Paul was very passionate about this particular purpose the apostle paul in acts chapter 20 verse 24 he said the most important thing of all the things that he could have said the most important thing is that i complete my mission the work that the lord jesus christ gave me that's the most important thing and what was that work what was the work that paul was talking about well that work was to tell the good news about god's grace to tell the good news Of Jesus Christ. The mission has always been and will always be telling people about Jesus. It's not revelation, it's really that simple. That one of the reasons that you are even here today is so that you can tell somebody else about Jesus. We ought to be sharing. I'm telling you, I feel the weight of this because if we're not careful, we get so comfortable in church. We get so comfortable just coming in and checking the box we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus you have no idea what hangs in the balance for some people there are people in your life if they just if they just realized what God could do in their life if they just heard that they would have hope that there's a chance that they could be saved that there's a chance that their situation could be turned around if they just heard that there could be a chance for something to be different you have no idea how much inspiration they would find. You have no idea how much hope they would find. If we would just tell people about Jesus. I'm going I'm to tell you a story. And then we're going to come pray. Uh, my, my mom and dad. My, my dad's parents were uh, first, first or second generation Pentecostal. I'm not, I'm not really sure on that. But either way my dad did not go to church. My dad was not in church. Uh, He met my mom. My dad was a party animal, like crazy stuff. And he met my mom at a bar. She was 17 at the bar. And uh, he met her at the bar, and he asked her that night to marry him. (laughs) This is going to work out great. (laughs) And uh, she said no, of course. But then a few days later, she said yes. And my mom and dad got married. Yeah, that's that's my mom and dad. He was a hippie. He had hair like down to here. Um, my mom and dad were drug addicts, alcoholics, partied like crazy. I was, I was. Uh, this is, this is too much information. I was conceived. <laughs> there you go. That's a. This is where we want to go tonight. <laughs> While my mom and dad were on a drug trip in Texas, my mom found out she was pregnant, and she knew that they were on. All kinds of different drugs. It explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and, uh, but something happened when my mom found out she was pregnant with me. <laughs> like there was this, something, she would tell me like this weight hit her. Like, I, I, can't, I can't raise a kid in this environment. Right? Like, look around at their lifestyle. They were strung out on drugs. I don't even know half of the story of what really they were involved in. You could look at the picture and say, they were wild. And, and my mom said, I, I knew something we had to change. Something wasn't, we weren't going to have a kid in this, in this atmosphere. My dad had agreed. They were still addicted to drugs. They were still addicted to alcohol. They were still the same lifestyle. And one day my mom and dad were at their house and uh, somebody come knocking on their door and it was a man named Terry Arnold Terry Arnold was planting a church in the town that my mom and dad lived in and Terry Arnold was on fire for God and Terry Arnold was excited about making an impact in his community he had his little bible study flip chart you guys might not even know what that is but super nerdy and he walking through neighborhoods knocking on doors trying to make connections with people and he knocked on my mom and dad's door and he would tell the story that when my mom and dad opened that my dad opened the door that my mom was laying on the couch in a halter top smoking a cigarette there was a harley davidson in the living room this is, this is my legacy my dad had installed a shelf all around the living room and had all of their liquor bottles that they that they had partaking of, that this was, this, was the, this was their life. But God was doing something in my parents. And God had sent a man of God who was passionate about reaching the lost. He was passionate about his purpose, that he was made for a mission. And so he began to teach my mom and dad a Bible study, and it wasn't long before things started to click for my mom and dad. And little by little, my mom and dad would begin to give up the drugs, and then they would begin to give up the alcohol, And then little by little, they would start to break away from cigarettes. And then they would be going to church. And then my dad would get filled with the Holy Ghost at a camp meeting. And they said that when my dad prayed in the altar, that he stayed there so long that when he got up, you could literally see an imprint of his body from where he had sweat so much in the altar. And it was like when he got up, the old man stayed there. And a new man got up. And I can't help but think sometimes, here I am almost 39 years old. And I've been in church all my life now. All I've ever known is church. All I've ever known. I never experienced one day of the lifestyle that they were in. I never had to experience one time of seeing my mom and dad strung out on drugs. I never, ever, ever had to experience my dad coming home drunk. I never had to experience that. And you want to know why I never had to experience that? Because while God was dealing with my mom and dad's heart, while they were still strung out, God was sending a man of God into their community to reach for them. And I just wonder, I think, where would I be? Where would I be if Terry Arnold would have never knocked on my mom and dad's door? Where would I, what would my life look? I have a pretty good idea of what my life would look like. But where would I be if he would have said, "You know what? It's really not worth it. I think I'm just going to keep going to church and just doing my thing, and I'm just going to keep worshiping, and I'm going to make sure I'm okay." But, you know, somebody somebody else will do that. Chances are, this wouldn't be happening right now. Chances are, I wouldn't be up here telling dumb dad jokes to you and making you kind of laugh. Chances are, I wouldn't be able to come and help and do the things because I would probably be stuck somewhere in sin. Chances are I would have been a casualty of my parents' lifestyle. But because a man named Terry Arnold understood that he was made for a mission. And he knocked on my mom and dad's door and won them to the Lord. I get to raise my kids in this. I get to come and talk to you amazing people. And so, who is it in your community? Who is it in your sphere of influence? Who is it that's waiting on you? Maybe you're not going to knock on their door. Chances are you probably already have somebody in your life that you just need to talk to about Jesus. You don't have to knock on a stranger's door. You, you just need to open up the conversation to somebody that's already in your life. And you have no idea what that, what that decision, the trajectory of their life that could change. I want you to bow your head right now. You know somebody who needs to hear about Jesus. You know somebody... Who needs to know that their life can change. And this is what I believe. The enemy wants you to believe that you could never do anything great for God. The enemy wants you to believe that there's too much baggage. That you've made too many mistakes. That you've got too much sin in your life. That you're wrapped up in bad stuff. There's too much guilt and shame and condemnation. You could never do anything great for God. And I told you I'm leaving tomorrow. But if there's one thing... That I hope that you remember from this week. Is that God wants to use you. Yes, you. Not the person beside of you. Not the person behind you. God wants to use you to do something that impacts eternity. You can do something that impacts eternity. It's not going to happen just because you sit back and wait for the will of God. It's not going to happen just because you wait until whatever that thing is that you feel like has to happen. So here's what I believe is going to happen tonight. In this altar and beyond. We have wept before God. That first night, I told you, like a deep work, a deep move of God. Because some of you, you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. And last night, you you laid down some weights and some sins. And you, you release some stuff and Pastor Levine told us to make some commitments and to get some accountability about the weights that we're going to remove. That, that was the last couple of nights. And tonight, tonight, I'm reaching for every person in this room. Because some of you need to recommit your life to worship. You need to make up in your mind that I'm going to live a life of worship. Not just a Sunday worship life, but a Monday through Saturday life of worship. And some of you, you need to make up your mind that you're no longer sitting on the sidelines waiting for someone else to step out and worship. You're not waiting for that person to go and then you'll follow, but you're going to be the one leading the way every time you get the opportunity to worship God. Every time you walk into the house of God, you are going to worship Him. Some of you need to commit or recommit to the family of God. You've been hurt by the family of God. You've got wounds right now. Some of you have wounds because of people in this room. Some of you don't trust anybody. Some of you can't imagine being able to trust people in this youth group anymore because of what's happened or things that you've experienced. And the call of God tonight is that you cannot isolate yourself away from people in this church. You've believed the lie for too long that it's safer to be on your own. And the enemy has you completely isolated and alone and cut off. And I believe that tonight, God is going to start the restoration process, rebuilding trust that draws you back into the body of Christ. For some of you, I believe you're going to renew the commitment to a life that reflects Christ. You want to be like Christ. You want people to see the light of Jesus through your life. And then some of you are making up your mind. You're going to get involved in something and you're going to do something with the mission of God. So where are you at tonight? Where are you? Which one is it? For some of you, it's all of them. For some of you, it's all of them. You need to come and recommit to every one of them. But whatever it is, I want you to come right now and I want you to find a place. Whichever one. There shouldn't be one person that can't find one of these to connect to. For some of you, you haven't told anybody about Jesus in a long time. You haven't talked about Jesus in a long time. For some of you, you can't imagine making friends in this youth group because you don't even know if you can trust anybody. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night that we live out our purpose. Tonight's the night that we make up in our mind that we are going to live out our purpose. So, I want you to begin to lift up your voice and cry out unto God. I want you to begin to pray and allow God to do a work. I can't do the work for you. I can't rebuild trust in this. I can't rebuild that. I can't come into every one of your relationships and tell people about Jesus. The youth staff cannot go into your world and witness to everybody. This is your purpose, this is why you were created, this is why you exist. This is why you were made this is why you're a masterpiece for god to do good works and god is asking this youth group will you just do something for me will you do something for me so what are you going to do tonight jesus i've preached my heart god all three nights i've given them everything i got lord i've told them what you want me to tell them And God, now, this final night, Lord, I pray that when we walk away, God, you're going to do something great over the next few minutes. And when we walk away, I pray that we have a radical commitment to a renewed purpose in our life. That this is not about me. This is not about us. This is not about my comfortability. This is not about me having some utopic life here. But God, I want everything that I do, every part of who I am. Lord, to exemplify what you want me to be and who you want me to be, God. There are people in my world that are depending. Some of you need to get this in your mind. That there are people in your world who are depending on you. Who are waiting to hear your story. Who are waiting to hear about what God can do for them. God, we're committing ourselves to your purpose tonight, Jesus. Making a fresh commitment tonight, Lord. I want the will of God for my life more than anything else, God. I want the will of God. I want you to pray now. I want you to cry out to God. Jesus, in Jesus' name.